Won your boat, Georgie? Pennywise asked. I only repeat myself because you really do not seem that eager. He held it up, smiling. He was wearing a baggy silk suit with great, big orange buttons. A bright tie, electric blue, flopped down his front, and on his hands were big white gloves, like the kind Mickey Mouse and Donald Duck always wore. Yes, sure, George said, looking into the storm drain. And a balloon? I've got red and green and yellow and blue. Do they float? Float? The clown's grin widened. Oh, yes, indeed they do. They float. And there's cotton candy. George reached. The clown seized his arm. And George saw the clown's face change. What he saw then was terrible enough to make his worst imaginings of the thing in the cellar look like sweet dreams. What he saw destroyed his sanity in one clawing stroke. They float! The thing in the drain crooned in a clotted, chuckling voice. It held George's arm in its thick and wormy grip, and it pulled George toward that terrible darkness where the water rushed and roared and bellowed as it bore its cargo of storm debris towards the sea. George craned his neck away from that final blackness and began to scream into the rain, to scream mindlessly into the white autumn sky which curved above Derry on that day in the fall of 1957. His screams were shrill and piercing, and all up and down Witcham Street people came to their windows or bolted out onto their porches. They float, it growled. They float, Georgie, and when you're down here with me, you'll float too. Hello, 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 and welcome back to the Lit to Lens podcast. This is episode two of season four, where we are reviewing the film called You'll Float Too. You'll Float Too. It's You'll called Too. It's called It. It. Stephen King novel of the same name. Came out a couple weekends ago, September 8th in the U.S. Um, it The budget was $35 million. The box office was... Three seventy six point five million. So safe to say it was pretty successful. Very successful. Possibly one of the most. At the time you're listening to this, it may be the most successful horror movie ever. Are you serious? Wow! Yeah, take that there one for data. All right, data. <laughs> Suck that data. Um, directed by Andy Muschietti, who also directed Mama, another horror film, and he's from Argentina. Just shout out Argentina. Okay. Um, Screenplay by Chase Palmer, Kerry Fukunaga, shout out True Detective Season 1, and Gary Doberman. I also would like to give a shout out to True Detective Season 2. While uh, we're here. Well, I'm not going to allow that. I'm going to revoke that. Re- okay, reject we it. only shout out Season 1 here. Okay. So, at Little Lens. Um, the film is starring Jaden Lieberer, I think that's how you pronounce his name, and Bill Skarsgård. Um, the book was written a long, long time ago and was published. September 15th, 1986. It's a yes. very similar release date. We just had uh, the anniversary of the book. 
Yeah, last week. Yeah. What did it say? The 21st? 20... It says 20th. 20th. Okay. Yeah, so last week. Um, so this is what we're doing this week. We have both seen the film. Um, let's just get into the quiz. Yeah. I know you have a quiz question for me. Will was too terrified of the movie and the book to create a quiz question, but that's okay. I didn't really want to do this podcast, to be honest with you, because I can't, I'm not going to be able to sleep tonight. Well, you like clowns. Well, I like them. One of our roommates is like deathly afraid of clowns. Yeah. I still have to scare him, by the way. I bought a Pennywise mask. Yeah. Hopefully he doesn't listen to this podcast and like tomorrow. Have <laughs> yeah, I have a mask and I, and I bought balloons as well. I just have to get them filled with helium. And then whenever he comes back home, I'm just going to stand on our driveway or something. and just... Do you have a, a yellow slicker, rain slicker? No, I don't need to buy one. Okay. Do you have one? No. I don't Can think you... anybody has those. Yeah, I don't think... <laughs> they probably outlawed them after the movie. Yeah. Okay, so moving into the quiz, I am a sucker for box office stats. Um, so what I alluded to before was that the the movie may become the highest grossing horror film ever, moving past The Exorcist. Hmm. Um, but in its opening weekend, it opened to $120 million, okay. something in that ballpark, mm-hmm. which was the second largest opening for an R-rated movie in the history of American cinema. Question to you is: what? Can you name the movie with the highest, the R-rated movie with the highest opening weekend gross? And I'll and give this you a hint. A, okay, it's not a horror movie, and it came out last year. So this is the second biggest weekend opening for an R-rated film in the United States. Yeah, first weekend opening. And can I name the the number one? Yeah, came out last year. Is not horror. The hint is not horror. It came out last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, That's probably the bigger hint that it came out last year. Was Mad Max last year? No. That was two years ago? Uh, I don't even know if that was R. That might have been PG-13. No, that was definitely R. The soft R. Actually, it might not have been R. No, this, there was... I don't know. It's. You want another hint? Yeah. It's been an easy hint. It was a comic book movie. Rated R. Why am I totally blanking on this? Was it, was it well received? Yeah, that's why it made a lot of money. That makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> uh, why am I totally blanking on this? I, I have a guess. Well, I need a guess. What was? Uh, I can't even think of a comic movie that came out last year. It starred Ryan Reynolds. Oh, Deadpool. Deadpool. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, uh, thank you for literally <laughs> laying me up for the alley-oop dunk uh, on that one. Yeah, so... <laughs> Sorry about that. That was the highest... The, the R-rated movie with the highest first weekend box office gross. Now, Ever. this is not part of the quiz, but just some facts okay. to tide you over until we start talking. Okay. Um, the previous first weekend opening record for September was by a film called Hotel Transylvania 2. <laughs> Uh, and it opened to $48.5 million. That's way more money than I ever should have made. Yeah. Um, and Stephen King's It has broken that record twice. Its first weekend, it opened to 120. Its second weekend, it held on with 60. <laughs> so its first two weekends gross more than the first weekend of Hotel Transylvania 2. Good. So that's the two highest working September weekends ever. Take that, all you... Assholes who made Hotel Transylvania 2 and were riding those coattails to the record books because you don't deserve it. 
Yeah. That's how I feel about Everyone that. Everyone knows we go to Bath for Hotel Transylvania. <laughs> Not the yeah. sequel. Yeah. That was you. an ill-advised... Thank you. Ill-advised sequel. That's funny. Okay. Will, you have some news to share with me. I have some news. I'm not happy about it. You know, uh, doing this podcast, it's so much fun, but it can be, it can be very time-consuming. Would you say can, this podcast has been the light of your life these past? I would not. <laughs> I would years. say the exact opposite. <laughs> it would be the light of my storm drains. No, just kidding. Oh, it's can, dark in there. You can keep that one. Yeah. Um, no, but full disclosure to all of our listeners, I did not finish the book. Um, I got to page 520 of like 1400 something. It's a long book. So I finished about a third of it. Um, I gave it my best effort and I came up short. It's like I was, it's like I was in the minor leagues at AAA and I could have made it, but I just kept hitting strikeouts. You, you know? got a cup of coffee to the big club and you just, you had a weekend series and you went over four, yeah. four strikeouts and they were like. And the kid's not ready. Kid's not ready. Yeah. Send me back down to the minors. Well, you know who did read the book? Who? Me. And I want. Oh, did you? I want to take a moment <laughs> to just. You deserve it, honestly. It's a round of applause for me. You you crushed that. I mean, you can hammer that out. You have to hammer this book out. You have to just like be dedicated and be like, I'm gonna finish this fucking thing. This was my life. For no matter what. Three weeks. Yeah. Maybe maybe it was like a month. I remember getting Snapchats from your girlfriend, being like, Oh my god, Eric is reading this it thing again yeah. like all the time i read it like every day without fail yeah and i read it on a kindle and i don't know if, who reads on kindles that listens to us but mm-hmm. it has the percentage completion or like on the bottom right oh yeah of, instead of pages yeah so because there's so many pages you could scroll through like 50 or 60 in a sitting and go like two percentage points yeah that's terrible and it's the most disappointing thing that you'll ever if anything, I feel like it's probably it would have been harder for me to do that on a Kindle. Just seeing that would have been so demoralizing. It would have been like, well, you know, I'm not gonna finish it. I gotta wonder because the book is so big, it's got to be hard to lug around. Yeah, I mean, this one is like right, that's not an easy book to read. And I know you, yeah. what you walk to work, so it's not like you have a commute. Well, I take the bus, but it takes take me like bus. five minutes, so I get like yeah. a few pages on. Yeah. So it, no it is a tough book to lug around, though. Because it's just like, this is so floppy. Sorry for the sexual innuendos, but well, it's floppy. This is it. And I think we'll get into <laughs> Nice. We'll get into that. Um, but yeah, so I know you had some things you wanted to go over. I will chime in when I can. And I have some very interesting, well, probably not that interesting, but very opinionated opinions about the film. So okay, let me know when you're ready for that. Well, I will never be ready. Okay. Sure. Just, yeah. So I'll just the first here. thing that... I think book readers noticed, of course, was the change in the setting or the time period. Okay. Um, the book takes place in two different time periods. Mm-hmm. I think present day in the book is, well, obviously is in the 80s. Right. Like 85? 85, 86? Yeah, I think it's 85. Um, and they look back at their childhood in 57, 58. Mm-hmm. Um, in the movie version, this movie version not to be confused with the TV miniseries from 1990, mm-hmm. uh, the childhood takes place in 1988 and 89. Right. So I guess that's just an easier way for them to jump forward 27 years and be present day. Now. Like 2017, 2018. Yeah. Which is fine. It's a little bit of a different aesthetic and it changed the world a little bit. How so? I think with the book, 
and this kind of translates into my transitions to my next point. Mm-hmm. Um, in the book, the fifties are a time of like great racial unrest in the country. And there is obviously a black character in the mm-hmm. book, Mike Hanlon. Mm-hmm. And he has like a very hard upbringing and his like essential blackness is a very relevant part of the story. Mm -hmm. And I think in the movie version, this movie version, the eighties are probably a little more accepting, right? Um, Mm -hmm. his, you want to say like his blackness doesn't quite, it doesn't define him the way it does in the book version where, you know, he's being peppered with racial epithets and Mm -hmm. his dad is like, you have to be careful. And his dad tells him the story of like a nightclub that gets burned down because they were all black um, for that reason, mm-hmm. the movie skirts over that almost entirely. Like when yeah. he gets picked on, he just is like, Hey, you know, you kid. Yeah. It was in the, in the film. It was that, uh, I can't remember the character's name, but the, the bully basically Henry Bowers, Henry Bowers. Yes. And he is basically beating up Mike Hanlon a couple of times. And he's basically saying, I told you to get out of this town, blah, 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 blah. And you can kind of read between the lines at what he's saying, but they don't really address it as they do in the, in the book is what you're saying. Yeah. In the book, uh, Henry is very much like dropping like epithets really and being direct. Yeah. Like you need to get out of here. Mm -hmm. Um, because one of the things that brings all the kids together that are in what we call the losers club is that they are all number one picked on by Henry Bowers. Um, and in the way that the book is written, you kind of get chapter by chapter, these different kids perspectives. Mm -hmm. And when we finally get to Mike, the narrator of the book is basically like, you know, all the kids thought they had it the worst from Henry. Like Ben probably thought he had it pretty bad, but no, like Mike clearly has it the worst, Right. but it's this shared bully that brings them all together. Mm-hmm. Um, but so that transitions into something else that they changed about the film was Ben, Ben so Hanscom, Ben Hanscom. He's like the chubby kid mm-hmm. uh, in the early years and the later years he becomes pretty fit and an architect, and in 1987, he introduces a very strange drinking, a, a very strange way to drink alcohol. I don't know if you remember this. He, when he first gets the call, he goes to a bar and takes, like, a full liter of whiskey. Oh, yeah, Just, like, chugs it. Yes. After he, I don't, I forget what he does with the lemons, but he says he. He doesn't, like, eat them? Either eats them or like rubs them on his eye. I don't know. I can't remember now. Uh, I do remember him chugging the whiskey though. I remember reading that and being like, what the fuck is yeah. going on? <laughs> What's wrong with this guy? So he, he, in the book, is a architect. Yeah. But he's kind of a nerdy kid. He teaches them how to build a dam. That's how he becomes friends with, friends with them all. He like runs away from Henry Bowers and runs into them trying to build a dam in the, the river, the big mm-hmm. river that runs through yeah. the town. In the movie version, he becomes Mike. He becomes Book Mike. He has, he's the new kid, which I don't think is true in the book. He's just like the fat kid with no friends. Right. Whereas Mike is the, the homeschooled kid, so he has nobody and does, nobody knows him. Mm-hmm. Um, but Mike has the history of dairy, and he has this big picture book that shows like the clown throughout the ages. Mm-hmm. In the movie, Ben is kind of that guy. He is the one who goes to the library and finds all these old images of Derry and sees the clown throughout the years. And they walk into his room later in the movie and it's like, you know, 
if someone was trying to catch a serial killer, they would have all these like pictures and like diagrams yeah. plastered all over a wall. Yeah. So I don't fully get why they did that. And it's kind of a big change too. Yeah. I don't know. I'm, I didn't really read into that too much um, when I was watching it, but what you're saying makes sense. But I don't know. Maybe it was just for convenience. I don't know. It's interesting because later on in the eight, so it's, I'm going to be so confusing when I keep talking about the eighties. Okay. But yeah. In yeah. The book eighties. Book eighties. So book eighties, movie eighties. How about that? Yeah. Yeah. That's that, that works for me. Book eighties. Mike is the librarian. He's like the head librarian at Derry public library. Mm-hmm. And he is writing a book about the history of Derry mm-hmm. and how Pennywise, the dancing clown, AKA Bob Gray, AKA Bob Gray, AKA Mr. AKA, <laughs> uh, has been around forever and is always responsible for kids disappearing, kids disappearing every 27 years yeah. or like mass violent events, I guess that too. Yeah. Mass death events. Yeah. Um, yeah, but he, yeah. he even like narrates some chapters of the book and he, we get to read chapters of his book in Stephen King's book too. Mm-hmm. Um, book of Inception. Yeah. But it's kind of all started when he's younger and he like is, locked into the history of Derry. Mm-hmm. And he's the one who 27 years later gets the band back together by calling everybody. I mean like, yo, it's happening again. And they all, the memory like clicks and they're like, oh shit, we have to come back. Is that, sorry to butt in, is that why he stayed? Do you know? Like why he stayed to become a librarian? Is I don't it know because if because he wanted to like be on watch basically for this clown to reappear? I think that's it. Yeah, okay. he is, someone had to stay behind and someone had to keep track of mm-hmm. the clown. And he he just kind of volunteered. But he's someone who's always been really interested in history. Right. So by giving his personality to Ben, I'm kind of curious. Like, that gives Mike nothing. Like, oh, for the next film, basically. Yeah, because I'm, I'm thinking... Yeah, that is... Yeah, I didn't even think about that. I'm thinking well, down the road. How do they... Yeah, how do they keep his character around? Because he was kind of a nothing character in the movie. I mean, Mike didn't really do much. They gave him a whole backstory. Like, it wasn't as much as the book but they gave it him something more than other characters he's an orphan right yeah and he's killing sheep and stuff like that like as his his grandfather's uh job farm or whatever but yeah he doesn't really do much besides that he gets beat up he he sees uh he sees the go or the the it clown when his has the hallucination of his uh parents burning but yeah he was kind of like a uh, so maybe i don't know i don't know what they would do with him yeah maybe those for Reverse roles. But it's weird, too, because they didn't fully do that. They had Ben still gives – Ben is still in love with Bev, and he still right. gives her that note. Mm-hmm. And in the book, like, that romance becomes a thing. And in the movie, I don't – like, is he going to stay behind and then have the romance with Bev? Or is – like, I feel yeah. like they just gave Ben too much. Right. Like, there's like, oh, Ben's, Ben's an important character – just give him all of the stuff. And, yeah. like, Mike and Stan and Eddie... They can just stand there. Like, yeah. What do they bring? Cool. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. Yeah, the, it'll be interesting to see the second installment, Chapter 2. It, yeah. colon, Chapter 2. Yeah. So, another thing I wanted to, to bring up was It. The... A.K.A. Mr. Bob Gray. The Dancing Clown. A.K.A. Pennywise the Dancing Clown. Um, A.K.A. Mr. A.K.A. <laughs> so, in the... What, what was your sense of him in the movie? Because um, you, you know a little about him, right? You know he is a 
demon of some kind. He's he's basically a monster mm-hmm. um, who mimics child's children's fears. Whatever their fear is, he can mimic it, and he feeds off of that fear, and then he feeds on the children in order to stay alive. Um, it's it's mentioned in the in the film that Pennywise was a part of this circus back in the it must have been the 1800s, I guess. Um, they came to town, and I can't remember exactly how, but they ended up in the sewers an hour. The circus was disbanded. I can't remember exactly why, but he's basically this monster now, and he preys on children from storm drains, which is basically, I assume, uh, in a large scope, the same as the, as the book. I didn't get to the parts where they described his backstory or its backstory. No. So this is where it gets confusing. Okay. So take a breath. Yeah. So basically, and we, okay. So here's where we start. The, the like movie. It is essentially like just around every 27 years and feasts on children's fears. Mm -hmm. Um, Bill Saskard was interviewed about this like after the movie came out mm-hmm. and he said that there was a deleted scene that showed Pennywise in like the 1600s dairy or colonial time. Like there's two scenes basically that were cut out of the, the film that showed him interacting with people in like older dairy. Mm-hmm. But in the book things get like trippy. Okay. So Richie and Mike have a like smoke fueled hallucination and see it basically arrive on earth with like an asteroid like impact. He's just like a bunch of lights that just like slams down into the ground. Um, and what? later it narrates its own chapter. Okay. And it's basically like I existed originally in a void between a universe and another universe in a dimension known as the macroverse. Oh my so God. It's, it's essentially like a being that's superior to anything else. And feeds on the fears of children, which it describes as, like, children's fears basically just salt the meat of the kid when he eats them. Uh, okay. And... it's a good way to describe it. I'm thinking, like, it's just easier not to say that stuff. Yeah, definitely. Because in the book, there's this whole thing with a turtle and the deadlights and universes, like, at... Ends kind of like clashing, right? Okay. Um, and there's we're getting kind of ahead of ourselves. In no, the ending, keep going. But I'm trying to make sense of this. It, it's not working. It's really hard to make sense of this, right? Yeah. Because it feels like I don't know. It feels like a fucking like coke induced binge writing session. Yeah. Basically, which very well could have been. Right. Was Stephen King ever addicted to drugs? Is that ever oh, yeah. Like- this is, like, the major thing in Stephen King's Oh, it is? Life. Okay, I don't know much about him. But. Yeah, he... You should do research. Uh, <laughs> you should look into it. So he had, like, a... And it was known while he was writing, but he had oh, really? a pretty severe drug and alcohol addiction. Oh, wow. And he doesn't... I mean, he's a very prolific writer, but I don't think he remembers writing some of the stuff he's written. Really? Like, no memory. Wow. Um so you got to think like these are some crazy tales that yeah. he's some crazy yarns that he's spinning. Yeah. Um, and it's just like, it's very confusing 
other dimensions and like extraterrestrial beings mm-hmm. at play here. And I almost wonder if cutting all that stuff out just like benefits the movie. It's like, this is just a dancing clown that it's like, I can see your fear and I will be the woman from the painting or I will be right. whatever else he turned into. Was that in the book? Yeah. That was okay. Yeah. Everyone that sees was a creepy. different, everyone sees a different like non-clown thing. That was probably the creepiest in the film. Oh, the, the woman, woman in the, the painting? painting? Yeah. That was the creepiest. Like, stretch woman with the 7,000 rows of teeth? Yeah. That was weird. Yeah. That was the thing that scared me the most. I think when they, like, showed Stanley getting, like, his face sucked oh, by yeah. that woman, I was just like, <laughs> that, was, that was really weird. I see why you don't make it for the reunion. Yeah. <laughs> Spoiler. Spoiler. But um, to to say something to your point about the extraterrestrials and the other, the macro universe, that reminds me very much of the Dark Tower. The macroverse. Excuse me, the macroverse. Um, a podcast that we just did on the Dark Tower, um, which we obviously didn't read the whole, the full set, the whole full series, but we, that's why we brought in our, our roommate and our friend Corey to explain it all. And it was also very, very confusing. Um, he had more of a grasp on it than we did, but I, I don't think he had a full grasp on the entirety of Stephen King's world. I don't think the directors of the film did either, to be honest with you. But it's, I know that Stephen King's writing has a lot of intertwinings with a lot of his other works, where he'll mention certain things. Like, I think he mentioned Shawshank Prison here in this book. Yeah. Um, and he'll mention other characters in other books. So it's all kind of this one universe, right? So A macroverse. A macroverse. <laughs> there we go. But... Um, yeah, I didn't get the impression. I mean, obviously, I didn't finish the whole thing, but from the point that I read the th- first third of the book, I didn't really get that impression that it was going to be this otherworldly thing. But obviously, it is, and it makes sense because it's it's Stephen King. But it, that was not how it was portrayed in the film. Yeah, the film is a lot more physical. So, and by that I mean you. We talk about the ending of the movie, and and we'll get to this like Beverly hanging up in a second, mm-hmm. but. When she comes down and when she, they pop her out of her catatonic state through the power of love, of course. Of course. Um, they, they all fight Pennywise and they like just beat him. They just beat him, yep. right? They all Physically, have yeah. whatever, like, like weapons, iron bars. Yeah. Well, uh, one of them, yeah, I don't even know. what. One of them had a baseball bat. Yeah. So they show physically that they're not afraid of him. Like right. he'll turn to... Stan and change into the scary woman. He'll turn to Ben and turn into a mummy. He'll turn to Beverly and turn into her father. And they're just not afraid of him anymore. Right. And, and with it, that courage, the it loses its power. Yeah. So in the book, it's different. Um, God, you're gonna be so you're gonna be like I'm already like what is away. even true? So, <laughs> so what happens? What is life in the book? Is they follow the sewers to find the lair where it lives. Okay. And it's basically this little like fairy tale small door that only a kid can get through mm-hmm. because this is important. Um, <laughs> and they are so it the being it mm-hmm. is essentially a series of lights called the deadlights. And to experience the deadlights will drive a person insane basically. So it can take physical forms or if it's within like our world, you can't experience it as a light. So you experience it 
in the way that you want to see it. So they're talking about like mummies or they just went to see a show at the Aladdin theater mm, yeah. about like a werewolf yep. and they, they, they look at it and it becomes a werewolf because that they're, he's like tapping into their mind's eye basically. Yeah. So when they enter this door, they experience it as a spider, like a giant, like Aragog, Harry Potter, like big old spider. Mm-hmm. And it freezes them in its like eyesight. So Bill, because he's the like leader of this loser's crew, big, mm-hmm. big Bill, locks eyes with it. And they have what's called the ritual of the chud, of the chewed. Mm-hmm. I don't know how to pronounce that word. But basically, they essentially like mentally dance. Not, not like dance dance, but like they are thinking as one. Okay. And in that like shared consciousness... Bill comes to face the, the turtle and the turtle <laughs> helps him like realize that he's not afraid of it. And it's just like a figment of his something. imagination. It's not really a figment of imagination. It's just like a real thing, but it, he helps Bill process it and to not feel, I guess, afraid. Okay. So it's, it's kind of the same fear. Like we're talking about fear. Yeah. And, Whereas in the movie, they physically show that they're not afraid by, like, beating the shit out of it. Yeah. In the book, Bill is able to mentally, like, get around his fear of it. And by, like, expelling that fear, it loses its power. Okay. Okay. But there's also a big old turtle that, like, (laughs) farted the universe, like, millions of of years ago. So I'm really glad that they didn't include all that because there would have been millions of people that were, would have been very confused. Yes. After seeing that. Because I'm still very confused just after hearing that. It's very confusing. It's a very confusing part of the book. And the way it's written, like, we get it back and forth between the 80s and 50s. It, you can, I think you can easily get lost in the deadlines. Man. Yeah. So, but, where do we go from here? I want to... Well, we, we, there's, a, there's a talking point we want to talk about, but I don't know what else there is... No, okay, but I don't know what else there is to say about this because that is so out there and that is so odd and just obviously very unique. So credit Stephen King for that. It's just, it's just, it's very creative. It's just not in the realm of possibility. Uh, obviously, like that's stating facts here. But I don't know what else there is to say. So it's like. It's just an odd circumstance. It's a piece of mainstream popular culture. You're not going to have like a giant turtle that farts the universe, maybe. Yeah. What you're saying is, is I guess it's just too. It's too weird. Yeah, and and that's Stephen King, right? He's just an odd guy with odd writing. I mean that. Yeah. You know, but they kept. I mean, I guess they kept the emotion the same. It's still fear that. Yeah. It feeds on. It's still fear that the kids have of the creature. And it goes back to, I think the main theme of the book is kids, right? Yeah. It's like, it's belief. Um, it's belief in monsters. Mm-hmm. And if you believe in a monster, it's real because you believe in it. Mm-hmm. And if you don't believe in it, then you don't have a problem because it's not real. There you go. And you're over your fear. Yeah. But yeah, so the film, in that respect, dumbed it down for the people who probably, who didn't read it like myself. Um, and the millions of other people didn't read it, but I wonder people who really love the book 
it. And for the, for those reasons, why it was so weird and out there, did they love the film? Probably not, right? I mean, they probably loved the aspects of the kids and uh, defeating the monster, but not the fact that it was it left out this entire um, portion of the story where it's from another world. It's in these, this other universe. And I know that is a, a draw to a lot of readers is that weird and that out there sort of thinking. Yeah. So what I will say about that is I think that's the big criticism you could make because if we are led to believe that this, it is a like extraterrestrial being that can shape shift and feeds on fears of kids and can eat them. Do we buy the fact that like seven, I guess they're 13 in the, in the movie and they're like 11 in the book can like beat the living hell out of it. Can they really team up and like physically do that to all of them? Yeah. You know, this creature like kills kids all the time. Yeah. Um, do we believe that, like, physically it can't overpower kids? Does it need to... Does it, I mean, I don't know. Does it need, like... If it has lost that much fear... Mm-hmm. If it has lost the fear it feeds on, does it lose its physical power? Probably, yeah, I guess prob- probably. probably, yeah. Well, we we should pump the brakes a bit because we obviously haven't seen the second one, which I'm, I'm sure is being made or is already made or whatever, which they could go into all this stuff. Just because they, they left it out of the first one doesn't mean they won't go into it in the second one. Yeah, but I would. So I don't I guess know. If, I don't know, right? I'm, yeah, we don't know if they'll do that. But it would be a it would be a stretch because they didn't hint at any of that in the first book at all. Or excuse me, the first the movie. movie. Yeah, I am of the impression. In the, I am of the impression that they're going to do a the present day like as adults. If that's what the miniseries like did, the right? Thing, they just said of. two parts. One part is young kids. One part is adults. And this, I don't know if that's the right idea. Like, I don't know if that's how you adapt this book because a lot of the power of the book and I think you probably you know saw it a little bit mm-hmm. was the Stephen King's ability to like weave between timelines mm-hmm. and to create essentially like a mystery um Derry has a kind of like spirituality a kind of like it has an ability to affect people's minds mm-hmm. and so when Mike calls all these all of his childhood friends back, they don't quite remember who Mike is. They mm-hmm. like maybe a little bit know, but they have no idea what's, what's in dairy, you know, in their normal lives, their day to day lives. They have like no memory of what they were as kids right? because th- their minds have just been wiped. So the book gives the reader like a little bit of information chapter by chapter. Mm-hmm. So while they're trying to remember how they defeated it in the fifties, you know, in the eighties now mm-hmm. we are learning alongside them. Right. So if you were to adapt this, like they're doing into, I'm assuming the fifties or the eighties movie and the 2018 movie, you're losing a lot of that, like narrative drama, mm. a lot of that mystery, because we know how they beat it. The first it's time, true, yeah. right? They're finding out they're like, Oh, you know, I remember we went in here and we did right. this and it worked. We did the ritual of the chud. And like the turtle was there and then they go back, you know, in the eighties, the turtle is dead Mm. and they're not quite sure like how to do it. Like knowing what we know as an audience, it seems less dramatic because we know what they did. 
are they going to all have memory loss? They kind of alluded to that in the movie at the end. Right, yeah, they did. They're like, if we forget, remember, we're coming back. That's what we'll, like, cut our hands and right, right. promise to be back. Yeah. And then Bill steals that kiss. Of course. God, Bill. Such a, such a dog. You know, they call him, they call him Big Bill. <laughs> Why do they call him that? He's the leader. He's the, oh, yeah. well done. Well said. The, the, it's, yeah, it so- really should be Big Ben. Oh, it should it should be big. That's what the book readers. That's what the ladies say. That's what the book readers know to be true. I think. <laughs> but uh, so it seems like maybe the second chapter of this film installment will be just action. Will be the crew getting back together, and basically just having some horror situations and then some more action. Kind of like the f- that's basically what the first one was. So I want to ask you. This is a little off topic of what we were just talking about. But were you afraid? Of the movie? Yeah, like, were you scared? Was it? Would you say it was a scary horror film? I don't know if I'm the best person to answer that, because I had already read the book by the time I went okay. to see the movie. So I recognize a lot of the... Jumps and... Plot. Yeah. It, the ending was totally different, right? Mm, right. Um, like, yeah, so a lot of it I had, I could anticipate. Okay. Uh, I think that it was creepy. Yes. I think that... The one that strikes me is when Eddie goes to Nybolt, the Nybolt Street house for the first time. Oh, yeah. He's in the side yard, and he's being chased by uh, the leper. Oh, and yeah. Then, that was with the no nose. Yeah, and the leper stops, and then he like turns back around, and it's Pennywise with the pyramid of balloons. balloons. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was great. That was creepy. And then also at the ending, when he opens up the pennywise clown show box and he's just like i tweeted it out today from the account but he's he's just like weirdly dancing yes dude did you see the part where they were uh henry bowers was beating up mike hanlon right and he's in mike hanlon sees it the clown in the shrubs or whatever Mm -hmm. and it's like its mouth is all bloody and it's sitting in like uh indian style and it has an arm and it's like waving the arm dude i literally laughed when i saw that in theaters because it was just it was so comical it wasn't scary it was just like what a funny looking scene. I think that's something that the character is though, right? Like right, for it, sure. the clown. Oh yeah. It's clowns are, you know, creepy, but they're also attractive. Right. You know, that's why I think it says in the movie and in the book, that's why it takes the form of a clown, because it's like I feed on children and children seem some way It's like an innocence kinda clowns yeah. are innocent yeah. in real life. Well, hopefully. But they're also very creepy because you don't you don't know. You can never trust the clown because you don't know the clown, right? Yes. It's a person that's entirely covered, right? You know that's why, like, the Grim Reaper is scary because it has no face. It's right. just like a big cloak with a scythe. Yeah. And who? Uh, I mean, no offense to any people out there, any listeners that dress up as clowns for their day job or their night job, their side job. But would you ever trust somebody who dresses up as a clown? No, the answer is no. Okay, you don't need to. You don't need to answer. I'll answer for you. The answer is no. Okay, because that person, from an outside perspective, from my perspective, is probably a little off. Okay, a little odd. But do you think that's because? I mean, the the this book is humongous, right? Yeah. Do you think? And we weren't we weren't even alive when it came out. So, mm-hmm. do you think this book has colored the perception of clowns so dramatically? That like you just clowns just like, can't be happy anymore. There is like so, a, there's a murdering clown and everyone <laughs> knows about it and that's it. That's like the end. Of I story. think it's definitely the reason people have phobias of of clowns. Or if it's not definitely, it 
it certainly exacerbates it and doesn't help dwindle it. Yeah. I, I So for me, this film was not scary at all. I think there might have been a moment or two where I jumped a little bit, but it was not. It was more creepy, like you said, of if anything, yeah. than it was like a scary film, like those rule jumpers. Um, the films it's that make you bloody. It's, it's bloody. It's and it's and it's and it's just kind of kind of like childish and comical, even though it's rated yeah. R. It's just with these kids, and they're having a, you know they're having these kids' problems. Did you like the clown in this movie? Uh, yeah, I thought he was good. I the only I wish he was scarier, but I guess if I couldn't have scary, this is what I would have wanted. You felt like it was a creepy the right middle ground of scary and. Funny. And like weird and odd, like this this character has to be just odd and Looney Tune, basically, right? Yeah. And the, yeah, the one scene in the shrubs where he's waving the arm, I was like, all right, I'm in. Like this guy is hilarious. Yeah. Um, he if they ever do a scary movie six, right? Which they should do. I think they should hire the same actor and just do the same things. Well, he's probably not working, right? Maybe. Yeah, well, <laughs> he's probably doing like model shoes or something now. But I remember reading the list of people they considered for this role. Oh yeah, and it was like actual actors. You like, should have read that for a quiz. I should have. What were those? What were some of the names? I don't remember. But it was like, like real, real actors. Uh, like yeah. nobody like super famous. No, it was like uh, Ben Mendelsohn was one of the guys. Oh really? They reached out to Ben Mendelsohn and were like, "Hey, do you want to be this part?" But you, we're also not going to pay you your quote. And he's like, "No, the Nabra." Um, they wanted Will Poulter. Oh the yeah! Oh wow, he would have been the redhead kid, right? Yeah, yeah, from Detroit and from like We Are the Millers. Yes, We Are the Millers. He was great. That's great stuff. Yeah, yeah. He was apparently it when Kerry Fukunaga was attached to direct. Ah, like, and then he got. I guess he left the project, and then Will Poulter was like, "I'm not. In I'm anymore. busy now. <laughs> yeah, I'm busy, bro. Yeah. You ever heard of Catherine Bigelow <laughs> doing her movie? Oscar nominated. Yeah, no big deal. Yeah, yeah. He's also in uh, the. What was the uh, the Revenant? Revenant. He's, he's doing big things, dude. He doesn't need to be a part of this. Yeah, he's definitely doing big things. So. He's like a under the radar, next man up kind of thing. Shout out Will Poulter. So before we wrap up, I don't know what how good we are on time, but yeah, we should probably wrap up next five ten minutes. I want to talk about a scene in the book which doesn't make the movie and doesn't make the TV miniseries either. To preface this, uh, when I started reading the book and. People heard about it. Um, they were asking me if I got into this really fucked up part yet. And I was like, oh, no, no, no. Um, it's like, let me know when you get to the fucked up part. I'm like, okay, I'll let you know. And I obviously never got to that part, but obviously they didn't have this because they kept asking you, have you got to the fucked up part yet? And you're like, ah, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. And then we see the film, there's no, like, I mean, it's all kind of fucked up, right? Because there's cons eating kids and stuff, but wow. it's like, <laughs> that's pretty fucked up. But there isn't, like, a super, like, fucked up part within the realm of the world that is already created. Yeah. Yeah, so there is a big old sex scene oh. um, in the book. And it actually makes sense. Okay. But I think when you, and we were talking about this off off camera i want to say off camera off mic um, <laughs> we could put a camera in here. You know, we i think our roommate Charlie was saying this you yeah. know we're fine with killing kids but when kids are having sex like no like right. this is where we'll draw the line yep. it becomes all of a sudden like a taboo thing yep um i granted i know they're they're probably a little too young in the book i think they're probably they're like 11 or 12 yeah i'd say they're about the same age in the in the movie, maybe a little older, yeah, like thirteen. But, but in the book, 
Beverly is developing. Like mm-hmm. there's, they talk about that quite a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, when she first confronts it, it takes the form of like a gushing blood storm out of. I don't know if you got to this part. Blood yes. like out of her sink. Yes, I and so it's like, okay, well, what's she afraid of? Like becoming a woman, right? So by the end of the story, in the fifties, when they're kids, they have wind their way through the tunnels and are trying to wind their way back. Um, they're all kind of beaten, bruised, and Eddie broke his arm again. Um, <laughs> his arm is already broken. Damn it, Eddie! Eddie always he breaks his arm because he's so. Medicated, I guess he already broke dude. his arm, and then later in life he, he gets his arm ripped. He gets his arm bitten off by a spider. Oh, really? And dies. <laughs> Sorry, Ed. Shit luck, Eddie. Um, but so they're lost coming back through the tunnels, and Bev can basically just tell that the friend group is kind of breaking apart mm-hmm. um, after w- the ordeal they just been through. So she realizes that... And I don't know how... How she gets here is confusing to me, um, that she needs to, one by one, have sex with all of the guys, basically. Mm-hmm. So there's one... Bev's the only girl, and then there's six boys. Mm-hmm. Sorry. It's okay. <laughs> um, and she basically just comes out and says, like, I know how we can find our way. I know how we can become friends again. Like, everybody has to have sex with me. So one by one, all the guys take turns having sex with her. Um, and it's, this, is what, this is when they're kids? Yeah. Okay. So when they're adults, Bev has sex with Bill, and in that act, she remembers... This act. This. Okay. Um, but so, yeah, she has sex with all the kids, and after that, they're all, like, happy and friends again. And... Odd. It's... It's odd, so but it's it pre- also... It's... I guess the, the question is, like, what makes you an adult? And I think one of the most elemental things about being an adult is having the ability to reproduce. Yep. So, by, like... Being able to have sex, all of these kids are no longer kids. And they're moving on from their childhood fears and into... Adulthood. Their adult, like, shitty lives. Right. Or so they think. Mm-hmm. Right? Because eventually the, it comes back and they have to confront it again. Right. Um, so it's it's weird because it's, it's a... Child sex is always going to be a weird thing. Yep. Um, but it's an act that makes a lot of sense. If you consider it's like adult granting power, and it's sort of transitional, yeah. Like uh, I was about to say metaphor, but like uh, you know what I'm saying. Yeah, and there's a big part of it too. Bev's father, who she's fears in the God. The movie gets into like some whole other like Bev's father stuff, like with the attempted rape. Oh um, yeah, but Jesus, yeah. He he makes a big point in the book to be like. You're still my little girl, Bevy, right? Yeah. You're still my little girl. Yeah. That dude was creepy as fuck, by the way. Yeah. So it's another, like, F you to her dad to be yeah. like, I'm in control of my body and what I want to do and who I want to do Good it. for Bev. Yeah. Good for her. So it makes me kind of sad when I see her as, like, the damsel in distress in the movie who's just kind of hung up there waiting for all the guys to be like... It's kind of the replacement for the sex, honestly. They have Bev just floating in the final room. And the guys are kind of split apart, and they all are like, we have to save Bev now. Right. And so they climb on each other and pull her down, down and then Ben kisses her. her. And she comes back. So it's kind of the same thing, I guess. They're all kind it's of fractured, f- and she brings them together. Very toned-down version. Yeah. 
Got the same. It's thing. the R-rated version of that, right? <laughs> right, yeah. Then the NC-17. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, in the remind me if this this happened in the book, but in the film they allude to it a lot, where there are these rumors going around about Bev throughout the town, where she is this hussy, she's this whore, prostitute, whatever you want to call it, sleeping around with all these guys, and even uh, Henry Bowers like brags about having sex with her when apparently none of it is true. Yeah. Is that the same in the book? I can't remember no exactly. i think in the book her so all the losers have a, a defining characteristic that makes them losers like richie tozier has the big glasses bill has the stutter ben is fat um stanley is jewish mike is black eddie has asthma and then bev is basically just like developing really early yeah so it's that's a thing that people pick on her for okay that's what makes her a loser i don't okay. know that they like shame her for I don't think she's had sex like I think it's the same kind of thing I don't, but I don't know that she's being shamed for it I think well, it's just like she's developed so fast you know maybe that maybe they bring this bring that scene into the second film because you don't you said in the book they don't see it yeah or she doesn't see it until she's an adult so they couldn't bring it here right or I guess they could have but it wouldn't really make sense yeah. for the storyline because they cut from like inside the clowns like chambers to the outside world right they don't find their way back through the tunnels which are really complex you know they just kind of skirt over that yeah but i mean they're you saw the they have the map of dairy that they look at and the tunnels are so wide and like ranging all across the underground that like it would be very hard to find your way back yeah and it is so that's why you know that's why you gotta do it yeah yeah so we don't have a whole lot of time left but i want you to kind of uh, go on to what you mentioned earlier about the topic of <clears throat> why maybe they wouldn't show this in a film or why they wouldn't even mention it or why it's such a touchy subject for people who read it or people who hear about it or people who watch it. Like this ch- child sex act. I mean, it's a, it's, it's a gangbang, right? Is essentially what it is. In, in, the, in the most in the book, consensual in the of terms. Of, yeah. <laughs> Is basically what it is, um, in the nicest way possible, of me saying that. But yeah, I don't think you obviously can't really show that on film because these actors are children. Right. Um, I don't think you're legally allowed to do that, or else it would be child pornography, and then that's a whole another issue. Um, but maybe you can allude to it in the second one. Maybe as a, a you know a flashback remembering it seems unlikely because mm-hmm. the way the movie ended the movie was very sweet yeah and how it treated the relationships between the characters yeah it was very yeah pc and sort of like innocent kind yeah. of yeah and it, I, I think they have definitely at the very least set up a love triangle mm-hmm. like ben kiss bev bill kiss bev yeah ben loves her bill loves her it's the same in the book um I guess they all love each other in some way, mm-hmm. but but Bev is more attracted to Bill. Yeah. So, but it's not it's not that way when they get older. Kind of is, but it's a little bit different. Mm-hmm. So and they're being they're setting up a maybe Another instead of setting up world. yeah maybe instead of setting up a like m- memory of te- like a terrible memory they're setting up a like jealousy cycle maybe yeah I could see that. And that tears the friend group apart until they have another gangbang. Got to. So that's my that's my thought. <laughs>
Okay, so um, that basically wraps it up, right? Do you have anything else you want to add, or I want to? What's your scare? What's the scariest moment for you in the movie? Probably um, the part where the uh, disfigured face from the from the painting portrait. Uh, all the time. Uh, I would say the first one because I wasn't expecting it. The second part at the end was also scary, but I was sort of like, okay, I've seen it before. I think the first part was really scary because it was just like that thing just looks weird. Yeah. And I I hate paintings like that because they just stare at you and they follow you across the room. And I have this weird thing where I th- feel like they're all f- always watching me because they are. And so that like just played into my fears so that was the scariest moment for me so if you were to ha- if you were to come face to face with it what would it change into a cliff maybe because i'm afraid of heights Ooh. i'm not really afraid of although i'm afraid of ghosts to to a certain extent although ghosts like interest me um not the ghosts that want to kill me though those those can fuck off the city but um yeah maybe like a cliff or like like dropping out of an airplane yeah, I wouldn't want that. <laughs> more of a situation than like a, a thing, I guess. Okay. What about you? Yeah, I don't like rickety airplanes. Yeah, it was just like an airplane that was just bouncing through turbulence. No thanks, I'm out. I wouldn't like that. Wouldn't scare me, but maybe if it could, if it could like fake me out into believing I was on that. Yeah, airplane. Yeah. Like put you in that situation. Yeah. Like it was, it was the airplane. Yeah, and you like, had to be like, no, down. this isn't real, and then figure it out. And then it and then it is real. And then you die. Yeah. That was so. Cool. One more quick question. Yeah. Go. Your go, favorite go. kid actor in this movie. Uh, who do you think? Oh no, better idea. Yeah. Favorite kid actor and which kid actor do you think has the best Ooh, career, career going forward? Like, okay, we should like for the rest this, of his life. We should have started this earlier. Like short term or long term? Say short term because when when these kids become adults, things change. That's true. Um, my favorite kid actor was the kid who played um, the fat kid. Ben. Not Mike, Ben. That kid was funny, I thought. Um, I thought Eddie was really funny, too. He was a close second. I liked Eddie. Yeah. I think I would probably say Eddie has the best. Let's say Rich. You can't, you can't choose Richie. Because he's already in Stranger Things. He's in Stranger Things. Yeah. I would say Eddie. Um, Mike was just kind of like, uh, Bev was okay. Um, and then the Stanley guy was like, oh, whatever. And then, who was the other? Am I missing somebody? Richie, yeah. Ben. I thought Ben was really good. I think Ben was my favorite in this movie. Eddie has the best grit track, short term, kid stars because he had that. He had the good banter, you know. Yeah, yeah. He's good delivering his lines. Yeah, I didn't like. I didn't like Bill's lisp. Yeah, it wasn't as prominent as it is in the book. Uh, yeah, I think Stephen King does a really good job with the lisp in the book. Yeah, he does. I didn't like his lisp in the movie. Uh, I didn't. I liked Eddie the best. I would say, like, Eddie, the character, was... He brought more to the table than I think the rest of them did. Yeah. And the best career that's not Richie... I'm going to say Stan, just because he's got that curly head, and he's tall. What curly head, like, actors do you know that I don't have know, man. successful career? Don't ask me these questions. <laughs> I'm saying my opinion. Besides Adrian we're gonna Grenier. Leave it, we're going to leave it there. Okay. Hashtag right. stop sucking. <laughs> Hashtag stop sucking. Adrian Hashtag Stanley Uris for... Great He's career. not going to be in the next movie, but that kid actor is going to have. <laughs> That's because he has career. other jobs, baby. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, do you want to put money on it? We should put money on it. Let's do a six pack. Off, okay. ca- off camera. Yeah. Off yeah. Camera. Right. Uh, okay. So, book or movie? You go first. I'll go first. No, you go first. I'm gonna I'm gonna pick the movie. Okay. I think the the uh, 
the turtle and the deadlights and the whole there's it's a whole much. conversation about like predetermination and destiny and like ending up where you're supposed to be that we didn't even get into mm. in this conversation. I think the ideas the book had were interesting. I thought there's there's so much to unpack, and I don't know that I'm ever going to read this book again to unpack them. Yeah. So I, I think the movie succeeds in creating in like taking the essential elements of the book and like packaging them in a way that is easy to digest. Yeah, digestible, but also very, you know, I can't even think of the word I'm trying to say. Very representative of the book. Okay. That's fair. So I'm going to say movie. Well, I'm going to say the book because, no, I'm just kidding. I'm going to say the movie. (laughs) Because you read it. Yeah, because I read it. <laughs> I read a third of it. No, the movie, I mean, I thought the movie was good. I think it was, I didn't think it was as good as people were saying. I think it did it definitely had some flaws in it. Um, but I enjoyed it. And I I enjoyed parts of the book, of the parts that I read. But it's just too much for me. Yeah. It's I'm not a person to read 1,500 pages and be like, oh, this was very interesting. So you know what, Will? You know why we're doing our third episode on? Oh, yeah. We're doing short stories. Woo, woo. So maybe you'll, you'll be able to finish those. I've already started. Uh, first, uh, Shaw, Rita Hayworth and the Shawshank Redemption. Yeah, so we are, for people who don't follow us on the blog or on Twitter, um, we're packaging three short stories together into a kind of jumbo episode. Mm-hmm. That'll probably be a little more quicker moving than this one. Uh, 1408, the Shawshank Redemption, slash Rita Hayworth and the Shawshank Redemption, and Children of the Corn. Of the Corn. Yeah, so pretty good cross section of Stephen Kingness there, I'd say. Yeah, I'm 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 very excited for it because it total is about 180 pages, yeah. which is way more my speed. I'm it's already about, more than halfway done with the reading. It's about 10 percent of uh, it. <laughs> Eric knows. Yeah, yeah. So check next month for those three. Um, we'll have those for you. And then we'll let you know if we'll have a special episode or if we'll do another uh, another Stephen King novel. We have yet to decide. Um, but we take, got some other things cooking too. So yeah, we got some other things. Check back in. Yeah, check it back in with us. Yeah, see what's up. See what's up every once in a while. Um, basically, that's it. And we would like to shout out Shia LaBeouf because we love you and we love what you do. Get he, better soon. He will not divide us. Um, all those great things that you do, we love you. We miss you. Um, yeah, hit us back though. You know, digging up. Uh oh, digging. <laughs> hit us back on the DM though. Come on, Shia. Yeah, we hit you up all the time. Um, anyone else you want to try shout out or? No, I'm done. You're done. Shout out Pennywise the Dancing Clown. Shout out Mr. Bob Gray. Shout out AKA Mr. AKA. All right, we're done. Thanks, guys. All right, see you tomorrow.